find the baller. My life is more than money and jewelry. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from playing sports to exotic whips. Ain't gotta tell me, dog. I know I'm the shit behind the baller. My life is more than money and jewelry. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from music exec to this podcast. Now I finally feel at home at last. Behind the baller. Yo, yo. What is really, 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 really good, BTB Army? It is Monday, so you know what that means. Another brand new episode of the world-famous Behind the Baller podcast coming to you live and direct from the City of Angels. This show is recorded in high-definition stereo sound, produced by none other than the eight-time podcast producers of the year. That would be the Dust Brothers, Miles Davis and Jordan Winter. This is a 100% professional podcasting crew here, right? This museum quality podcasting, period. I am your host, Ben Baller, not Ben Humble, a.k.a. the Korean John Cusack, a.k.a. from minimum wage to 50 million, a.k.a. the washed lord, a.k.a. the shank king. What's good, ladies and gentlemen? BTB Army, happy day one of seven. Didn't want to say Monday again, you know what I'm saying? But are you guys ready for fan questions? Do this once a month. So let's fucking go. Um, I'm still like weird in the head. I was in uh, Atlantic City this weekend. I have not been there in 20 years probably. Last time I was there on some fucking degenerate poker run. DJ AM was still alive. Decided to fucking run to the Taj Mahal and everything. Atlantic City definitely looks a lot different. It is still... Um, it is cleaner, but it was used to be a scumbag town. Uh, I didn't really travel around. I didn't um, wander around. And what's crazy is I have never done a 24-hour trip to the East Coast. Not ever, not ever. I flew in Friday evening, and I left Friday evening just before. It was crazy. I've never done 24 hours before. It was pretty brutal. Um, some of y'all are saying, I'm sure he flew first class, and I did. They weren't lay down seats or whatever. Yeah, it's more space. It just was, I don't know, man. It was just, I flew at a time where I wasn't tired both times. And it was just a trip. It was weird, you know. Um, it was nice to get noticed by people. But at the same time, like, you know, I'm just trying to chill. I really don't try to make, I don't ever start conversation with anybody ever. On the way to Atlantic City, I sat next to a, a nice old lady. She was, um, I want to say late 70s, early 80s. She was drinking Tito's vodka at around noon, and, and I was really hyped for her. You know what I'm saying? It was good for her. She was very nice enough to let me borrow her iPhone cord because most of my cords are USB-C. I do have a USB-A cord, but it was in my bag above. This was a pleasant trip. I usually pack three days to a week before my trips. I packed the night of. It was very light. I just bought a change of clothes. That was it. I brought maybe an extra shirt or something. Um, shout out to Rada Golf for providing me with, with some gear and Loudmouth Golf, by the way. That's John Daly's uh, brand that he uh, is sponsored by. I think he's like a partner in it. But yeah, it was just a quick trip. It was crazy because when I talk to celebrities or people who are like artists and stuff on an upper echelon level like Pharrell or somebody, when they go out of town, they don't really sightsee which is kind of sad in a certain way. Like I like to walk the streets depending on where I'm at. And like Pharrell, who's just sitting in his room, like in Paris, New York, wherever. And once he has his event, boom, I guess if he has his friends or family, he'll chill, 
but for the most part, he just kicks it. I get it. He's famous, you know, certain things he doesn't want to get bothered. But um, I got to my hotel. I was staying at Harrah's, and the event was maybe five minutes from there. There's no direct flight to Atlantic City. There's different ways to get there, but the west best way for me to go was to fly into Philly. And then from Philly, you know, it's an hour drive to Atlantic City, which was a straight shot. There was no traffic. It was pretty nice the times I went. And um, they have like a small little fucking 24-person passenger plane that goes to Atlantic City, but I, it wasn't that deep. I was like, fuck it. Shout out to my boy Wayne from PCNY uh, Car Service. He had uh, had a um, brand new Escalade pick me up. And um, I decided to go get a cheesesteak. I was like, fuck, we're in Philly. Fuck it, let's hit South Street. So I'm like, hey, driver, can you take me to South Street before we go to the hotel? You know, so we drive to Jim's, which is my favorite uh, cheesesteak in Philly. I've never got a chance to go to Angelo's, and a lot of people suggested that. I had a lot of people tell me, oh, you should have went to Jim's. You should have, motherfucker, I tried to. So we get to South Street, little crowded, it's touristy. And Jim's, world famous Jim's on South Street, had burned down. The motherfucking actual restaurant burnt down to a crisp. It's fucking crazy on what the fuck happened. So I settled for some pats and it was good. It, it was legit, right? Uh, I get to my hotel. It's kind of late. It's like 9 p.m. I'm just like tired. I don't know what I want to do. There's a, a panini party, NFT thing I could have went through. And I found out that Alan Iverson was there signing shit. I haven't seen him in a while. It had been cool to see the answer. But I, I was just like tired. I didn't feel like really kicking it, you know what I'm saying? I didn't really know. And um, for those of you who really know, they, you know that I go to bed roughly between midnight and 1 a.m. That's pretty much my go-to sleep time, right? And I wake up at 6 to 6.30, sometimes a little earlier, and Ryder's been having some nightmares lately. You know, I don't know if it's because he has that sixth sense and he sees ghosts and sees fucking uh, dead bodies. I don't know what the fuck he sees, but he has nightmares here and there. So... I've been sleeping with him separately because I don't want to fuck up. London's sleep. London needs his sleep. Ryder really needs his sleep. Too. You know, it's kind of sad. Kai gets her beauty rest. My wife, very light sleeper. I could fart and be in the other, in the bathroom, right? The master bedroom of our house is pretty big. I'm not flexing. I'm just being honest. It's a good size. It could be, you know, including the bathroom and closet and the master, 800 square feet. Maybe it's a big size, right? And we have a, you know, we have a Cali King, so it's bigger than just a King bed. And eventually, one day, I want to get one of those big ass beds that Ti has. It's fucking ridiculous. It's a custom made bed, custom masters. It's fucking huge. But for the last seven, eight months, I haven't slept in our bed because of Ryder and whatever else. And I got to figure it out. I just going through anger management and stuff. I don't want to yell at him. I don't listen. You got to do this and. I'm soft when it comes to certain things, right? And they, they know what they fight, what not to fight. I just can't with Ryder because like he just, well, he'll wake up in the middle of the night and start screaming. And when I'm out of town, it's hell for Nick, right? So anyways, I'm debating whether I'm going to go or not. I forgot what movie I throw on, on my iPad. I'm just chilling. Huge room, by the way. Beautiful suite. Um, I could tell there's a lot of water views and everything, but it's late at night, so I can't see shit. So I decide, you know what? Okay, I got a little time before my intermittent fasting is cut off. I set it to 9 p.m. L.A. time, which would be midnight, and it wasn't that late yet. So I went downstairs, and I got a slice of pizza from the spot, and it fucking sucked. It was terrible. But this hotel had all kinds of snacks and junks, all kinds of shit. It was full service, right? It was like a, 
whatever, it's a legit four-star spot. I think maybe a three-star, whatever. The room was definitely four-star above. Went back up, snacks, whatever, and um, washed up. And I laid down for a little bit. And I decided just to say, fuck this, I'm going to sleep. Turn all the lights off. And it was about 11.30, 11.40 p.m. I was trying uh, to look at some Instagram pages, some TikToks, just to fucking whatever, kill time. I passed out. I had no alarm set, nothing. But I know my agent was going to come by and meet me. And so I wake up. And it's fucking 10.32 a.m. I got 11 hours of sleep. I haven't slept like that since motherfucking I had COVID. It's crazy. I never, ever, ever slept like that before. And it was crazy because I was like, oh shit, I got to get up. I got to wash my ass. I got to get ready. So, you know, I hop in the shower. My agent's going to be there like in fuck 45 minutes or so. Start getting ready, get dressed. And uh, this is, by the way, I've already said this before, but Alina, um, my marketing uh, handler, agency, contact person, everything, just my liaison for Excel Sports Management, is just one of the most amazing people in the world. And on top of that, she's Korean, so it just makes it all, she's just a great fucking person. I couldn't have had a better person. I, I Literally, she's just she's just priceless, right? Just such an amazing person. So she's like, do you want something from Starbucks? And I'm like, oh, fuck me. Do I? You know, and um, I set my time to get my thing in by um, 9 a.m. LA time or 8.30 a.m. LA time. So it's like perfect. Right when she gets there, brings me my motherfucking, uh, my cold brew latte with a little bit of vanilla. And um, I'm like, yo, fuck it. Let's get some food, right? Uh, get a little sandwich from fucking uh, Guy Fieri, a little deli downstairs. And it was lit. It was a great roast beef sandwich. And I thought about it. I was like, you know what's funny is you rarely could get a good sandwich in LA. I know there's fat sales here and there, whatever. I'm talking about the delis. There's one spot in Burbank that's really good. Bay Cities and Santa Monica. But I'm talking about just in general. There's so many delis on the East Coast, especially in New York and Jersey and stuff, and Philly, whatever. But it's like, just a basic sandwich was so fucking good. So, you know, um, we head over to the National, and I'll talk about that after. And it was a great experience. But what was crazy is I didn't walk the show. I wasn't trying to chill. I had to go to my sponsors, obviously. I went to go see PSA. I went to go see Tops, And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, I was just like, kind of tripped out on the fact that I was just in town for a very short amount of time and I went straight back to my hotel, kicked it, packed, and then fucking took off. But I was thinking about how I plan when I travel and everyone has their routine before they get on a plane, right? Depending on where you live in the airport, where, how far you are from the airport, what time you get there. You know, a lot of things have changed. I've seen a lot of things change. I remember when you were able to go to the airport, walk your girlfriend, family, with your dad, whoever the fuck it is, you could walk to the gate with them. And that was a dope thing. You say goodbye, you see a lot of goodbye kisses from, you know, guy, girl, whatever. And I watched that happen. And then September 11th changed that. You couldn't just be in past the gate. So all the TSA checks that happened, boom. And then I remember like in 06 or 07, when the liquid thing changed, where you couldn't bring over three ounces onto your carry-on bag. And so many different things changed, right? And I was thinking about, should I bring my gun? Now, I had enough time, you know, it just takes about 30 minutes max to go through that process. I just don't want to deal with the front desk. You know, you have your shit on your phone, you're good, your TSA, you're clear, boom, you go. But generally, in general, if I'm going to LAX, 
and let's just say I have a 10 a.m. flight. I probably leave my house around 7.30, 7.45. That would get me to LAX by 8.45 at latest. So what that is, is that gives me an hour and 15 minutes to figure it out. Now, I don't deal with Uber and shit like that because of the new situation at the airport with Uber. Uber has a designated area unless you use Uber Black, which I usually do, but still it's a pain in the ass, right? Um, parking at the valet spots, I just don't do that anymore. If you're at Burbank, valet's clutch. It's, it's a mandatory thing. So I used to do the things where you just park at the spot and they fucking take a shuttle. I don't have time for none of that shit no more. I'm just, you know, never really did to save money or anything, but generally for a short trip, you park right at LAX, you know what I'm saying? And it's like 30 or 40 bucks a day and it's hard to find parking. And some people, their, their mentality is different. Like they try to get to the plane right before it takes off here and there. I always prep for all kinds of shit. If there's a delay, fuck it. It is what it is. Sometimes that saved me, but I've gotten better. I try to get to the airport at least right there at about an hour before my plane is supposed to leave. Now, usually, depending on the flights, they usually board 30 minutes before. If it's international, they board an hour before. I don't kick at the lounge too much or whatever. And, um, you know, you have 10, 15 minutes to get through security, whatever. There's more people with TSA pre-check now, so sometimes the lines are longer. But the parking situation at LAX has gotten so fucked up that I really try to just stick to United so I could be at Terminal 7 or 6 at the airport parking-wise. It's just, parking's just a shit show. It's fucked up. Now, me and Nicolette had a flight to London one time, and our flight was at 3 p.m. We were physically at LAX, at the actual airport, entering the parking lot at 1 p.m. There were two lots that were closed. There was all kinds of shit. I was thinking, fuck it, we're in Nick's car, we're in a Range Rover. I was about to just leave that bitch there until the security guard said, if you leave this here, it's a federal offense. It doesn't just get towed. You can get you know, sued and all this crazy shit. I was like, fuck. We start stressing. It took forever to find parking. Crazy part about the whole shit is we were running to the plane. The plane was boarding and they were closing the door within three minutes. And that was getting there two hours before. A lot of people don't do the same shit as I do. People don't, don't give a fuck. They got to get their lax. And the reason why I bring this up because it gets to a certain mentality of how people are in general in life about being laid back and everything. So, you know, getting to an airport early is nice depending on where you are. And, you know, you just don't want to deal with the bullshit. Because I hate waiting around. Fuck, what's the big fucking deal? I don't drink coffee before I get on a flight. I just don't. I don't like having that caffeine feel or anything. Once I'm chilling, driving, I mean, I'm, I'm on the flight, we're cruising, and we're an hour or two, you know what I mean? I want my colitis to start fucking acting crazy. You know, I'll have a Coca-Cola on the plane. Cool. If it's late at night, no, nah, definitely not. Um, red eye or whatever it is. So my routine is I go there. I usually fly first class, so there's food. But if, if I can't, I'll grab a bagel, you know? But what I usually do is I grab a bottle of water. Now, first class has water. They have all that stuff. But I like having a bottle of water just to have, you know, that or Gatorade or something just to stay hydrated. And that's the only thing I go to. I don't fuck around and walk around and look at stores and shit. You know, that ain't it. Going back home, Philadelphia Airport has a PGA Tour store. And I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Is this insane or what? I probably wouldn't have cared before. But they had Tiger Woods shit. They had, you know, um... Travis fucking uh, uh, Miller, I think is his name. Or last, I forgot the fuck his name is. Travis Matthew. Sorry, Travis Matthew. And they had Tiger Wood, uh, Nike polos. And they were the taxes less and everything else. There was a sales shit. I was like, fuck this. Bought a Nike polo, golf polo. 
was chilling. And um, I didn't get the cheesesteak that I wanted, you know, obviously on the way to Atlantic City. So there, there's a Geno's in the fucking airport. And it's the same Geno's, the same cook, same everything, boom. And I remember having Geno's like a long time ago. I remember getting sick. It was the most disgusting, old, 60-year-old prostitute, coochie-looking vagina roast beef. It was nasty as fuck. I tried the hot sauce. I tried everything I could. I had three bites. I threw that shit out. It was fucking terrible. Now, Delisandro's is my shit. Just didn't want to head over that way. I was trying to stay on, on South Street. But this is at the airport. You know, now anyways, I got to the airport two hours earlier. Didn't want to hang out in the airport, in the hotel, whatever. Boom, I don't want to kick it anymore. I was like, fuck it, let me get over here. Kicked it, met some people who listened to the podcast. Saw this chick that like had this attitude problem. It was crazy. She was this Asian girl, not ugly, not pretty. She was like a six, you know, but like a, a high six, but, you know, well-groomed, whatever. She had a little Lululemon fucking leggings on and like something. And I forgot something, but she dropped like a memory stick and I said something to her and she acted as if I was trying to pick up one. I was like, bitch, like, are you serious? And she saw a bunch of people ask me, and I say a bunch, I mean like four people in like 30 minutes asked me to take pics and everything else. Hey, what are you doing in town? Whatever. And she had this like, just this attitude. So we started boarding. There's, you know, the priority group, whatever. And I walked on the fucking group one and she looks at me like, why, why is this guy flying fucking, in, you know, in this part? No, she, he must be like, have a lot of miles. No, bitch, I'm in the front of the plane. But it was just weird. Anyways, some of my boys were flying the same flight. They got there like 45 minutes before. And it wasn't because they were laxed or anything. They, they just, that's what happened. Now, going back to what I'm saying is, there are people who get to the airport early. There are people who are rushing and, you know, dealing with it and they don't care. And then there's guys like my accountant, Suleiman. He's always cool as fuck. And I don't mind that as my accountant stuff, right? But sometimes you'd be like, yo, man, this is pressing. Like, we gotta get this shit going. Super calm dude. He could talk to you. You could be in a bad mood. What mood? It's always the same monotone level. And even his laugh is kind of like, you know, something bad happens. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, uh, oh, congratulations. It's, it's never any different. If his house was on fire, everything was burning. He wouldn't run. I don't know if he'd even grab what was important. He would walk out of that motherfucker as if he was untouchable. He's just That's just the, the way he is. I got a lot of friends. One of them, Will I Am. Now I gotta say, I was trying to think of how I'm gonna say this. Not that the world owes him, right? He's definitely came from, he was very poverty stricken growing up. Very creative dude. He's very, very wealthy now. And he cussed out United Airlines because the plane took off and he missed it. And it's like, dog, you got to the airport 20 minutes before the plane left. Not before boarding. The boarding's already been going on for fucking 30 minutes. And you're not rushing or running or anything. You're kind of like maybe walking fast. But you got these people who never worry about anything. Like, yo, you got to chill out. You got to relax. Now, I know we're in a rush. I get it. Okay, cool. Boom, whatever. I don't tell other people how to live their life. And, you know, they're never on time for anything. Usually these are Filipino people. Right? People say, oh, it's color people time. No, no, no. Filipino time, I've said it before on the show, is 10 times worse than color people time. But when you're never worried about anything, that shit bothers me. You're not worried about your daughter's birthday. Like, all right, cool. Yeah, no, we'll get it done. We'll get it done. And then the day of it is ready to get done and 15 things aren't done. You'd be like, yo, what are you going to do? 
And then they want to get upset. Now, they're still not rushing, but they want to get mad. The fuck are you getting mad for? You know, and some people say, oh, you can't control this, you can't control that. You got to just relax. You know, it's out of my hands. But being prepared and staying ready, you don't have to get ready, right? If you're ready, you don't have to get ready. All I'm saying is, I'm prepared for whatever. I have a bag that's ready to go at any given time. I have like my toiletry shit. I have an assistant that helps me pack stuff and everything. I write down very specific things. I just trip out on people who never worry about shit. Damn, my bills are due. Shit, my bills are, you know, fuck it, I got a ticket. Uh, Fuck it, I'll pay it later. Then it goes into collections. Then you got like fucking seven tickets. Oh shit, you know, now they got a lien on your account. You got all this other crazy stuff. Look, this show is not here to tell you how you should live your life. This show is about how I live mine. And that's all I'm saying. I worry. I think about things. I have responsibilities. I have people who depend on me. Not just my children and my wife and my family, but employees and other things. So if I don't worry about those type of things, you know what I'm saying, then who the fuck is? Because the bills don't magically pay themselves. But I just wanted to to talk about that because... Some people are just way too relaxed. And that's good. You have no stress. You'd be like, oh, you know. But it gets to a certain point where you have no stress and you always think positive and it becomes delusional. And you start telling yourself, I'm good. I'm a good person. I'm a king. I'm a queen. Whatever the fuck it is. Yo, that's great and everything. But live in reality. Right? You don't need to worry about fucking monkeypox and all that shit on every single fucking time if you're not touching anybody. Just be smart. And all I'm saying is, again, People who never worry about anything, shit bothers me. And nine times out of 10, even if you're the richest person in the world, there's an exception for that 0.001%, but most people who don't worry usually aren't the most successful people. You gotta think about shit. You gotta really prepare. You gotta plan. It's what it is. But anything, practice, preparation, all that stuff. But what's crazy is, and I'm talking about liens and taxes, you know, like shit like that, whatever, not taxes, but liens and stuff. Shakira, one of the most famous singers in the world. Some of you guys are too young. Some of you guys know obviously who that is. International superstar. They're trying to give her eight years in prison because she lives in Spain part-time. It's not her main residence. I don't know where the fuck her main residence is. I don't know. She probably lives, has a bunch of houses everywhere else. But she owed $14 million in back taxes she said she hired the most reputable tax agent and attorneys to figure it all out. And she paid even, you know, $2 million extra in taxes. They're saying she owes 14. Bottom line is they're trying to give her eight motherfucking years in prison. That's fucking crazy as a motherfucker. Because could you fucking imagine, even if it was fucking six months, imagine Shakira in prison. That shit is fucking crazy as fuck. All I'm saying is, man, is, is handle your tax shit. A lot of people move to Texas, Florida. And, um, you know, uh, Nevada during the pandemic because of taxes and stuff. And that's cool and all. There's a lot of ways to avoid it. And it's smart. Get a great tax attorney. Get a great, I'm sorry, get a great accountant who shows you how to do things. Some people are pissed off that Donald Trump paid very little in taxes. And I don't fuck the dude, whatever. But there's business tactics that you can do that definitely save. Like Elon Musk paid something like a couple hundred grand over the last like five years in taxes. Hey, trust me, that motherfucker's not trying to avoid taxes. He just understands how to fucking do it. I'm not here to tell you. I'm not saying a hack. That's something you got to do having an accountant. Now, if you don't have or you don't make that kind of money, you get a tax return, totally different. But there are a lot of ways to write off shit. I think people forget there are ways to write off things. That's why I'd say it's so fucking important 
to incorporate yourself. Make sure you incorporate yourself. But guys, we're going to get into these fan questions. Speaking of packing, I'm going to San Francisco this week with the boys. I got to get ready for that. Nicolette's leaving for Ibiza for a week. I hope she has the best fucking time out there. But um, more importantly, no matter how stressful things are, if you're in the middle of something like that's leisure, whether it be sitting in a movie, whether it be playing a game of golf, sometimes you really got to stop and live in the moment. Golf is all mental. You're thinking about the game. How about look at the beautiful scenery? How about just being on a golf course is a fucking blessing, right? You're in a movie, you watch a movie, you don't like it, leave. The fuck are you pulling your phone out for and texting during a movie? Now, if you're watching a kid's movie with your kids, cool, I get it, but I'm just saying like, enjoy the moment. Some people are eating so fast, they can't fucking taste the food. It's crazy. But yeah, we're gonna get into a commercial break real quick and then get into these fan questions and then I'll talk a little bit more about the national and some other shit. All right, my man Lakey Lake, that's, that's him in the background right there. Yo, Miles, man, take us to a commercial break and we'll be right back with fan questions. Supercharge your knowledge, your sales, and your success. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. I love how Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Synchronize your online and in-person sales. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash baller, all lowercase for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash baller right now. Shopify.com slash baller. What up, y'all? You are listening to the world-famous Behind the Baller podcast. This is the section that we do once a month called Fam Questions. Not fan, but fam, because I call y'all family, right? Um, you add, send some questions to bbdtc213 at gmail.com, and uh, I answer them if they're a question I haven't answered before or it's something that, you know, makes sense to say on the show. And, um, you know, we get hundreds of questions. That Right now, there's currently 795 questions. Not all 795 are going. I used to get them when they were like 50, 60, and I'd read all of them on the here, but I can't do that anymore. It's just too many. So I sift through them a little bit, but I do read them freestyle. I kind of sift through them real quick, and then I kind of screen a little bit, but uh, that, that just makes Miles' job a little easier. And uh, yeah, you know, I mentioned the name and all that, and uh, let's get started. So Nima Tavasol, or it could be Tavasol, writes, what up, Ben? My name is Nima from Ladera Ranch, California. Recently moved here. Uh, to a nearby city of Elisa Viejo. And I actually had a question pertaining to that. Did you ever live in any other area besides Laguna Beach and OC back in the day? If you did, where? And what's your take on the vibe down here? 
I grew up here my whole life, but I was always curious to feel like how you felt about it. I knew you have brought it up back in the K-Town Usher series, but I'm not 100 sure on that. Appreciate you, man. Um, I never lived in Laguna Beach. Jonas did. He had his last house. He had passed away in Laguna Beach. Um, I And he lived in Aliso Viejo as well. Jonas got me an apartment in Irvine, California at the Spectrum. It was like a new little apartment community thing that was kind of connected to the Spectrum. You just walk across the street. I was never there. No bullshit. I was probably there four days a month. And the other days, if I was in OC, I was at um, Jonas's crib because LRG was in uh, Lake Forest. My take on the vibe, OC's chill, different. You know, there's bigger parking spaces. There's, you know, um, it's safer in general. A lot more gated communities. It's, it's a lot cheaper to live in Orange County than it is in LA, unless you're in Crystal Cove or like, you know, maybe parts of Monarch Beach or something. But in general, it's just more lax. It's definitely more Republican. It's more conservative. And, um, you know, Irvine's a very safe city. It's one of the safest cities in the world. Just not my vibe. I'm just, just the whole mentality of OC is not really my thing. Even if it was Crystal Cove, it just wasn't. I think Kobe Bryant moved to Crystal Cove because he wanted to get away from fucking everybody, which I understand that. I'm not to that point yet. If I was going to move there, then I'm fucking moving to San Diego. Simple as that. I'm just moving to San Diego. So that's just, you know, pretty much as, as simple as I get. I don't need to elaborate too much more than that. Um, Adam Diamond writes, hey, Ben, it's Adam Diamond. My real name is Adam Hui. Uh, I don't know if that's, if it's we, if it, I forgot how to pronounce that shit. With, with Chinese, 30 years old, born February 25th, 1992. I didn't need to know all that, Adam, but thank you. Uh, same day as your anniversary from Winnipeg. Oh, that's right. My bad. It's true. And 1992, so 2012. So yeah, man, it's 20 years away. Same day as your anniversary. I'm from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Now I know for sure I'm not white. I'm full chink. Uh, thank you for your time. We put into super followers. Uh, nice to chop it up once in a while. Question, how do you deal with your anger? I have really bad anger problems. Sorry doesn't go a long way for me. I hate small talk. I hate when people fuck up my food at restaurants. Smoke a lot of weed doesn't help at all. How do you cope with your anger? When it gets really, really, really bad, and I usually only do this for airplane trips, is I'm prescribed Xanax. And that's not good enough right then and there, but at least puts me in a calm mood, right? And that takes 15, 20 minutes to kick in sometimes. I really got to think about why I'm mad. And I assess what's, you know, is it worth being mad? Is it worth breaking something over? Is it worth, and to tell you the truth, thank God I have a lot of expensive shit. Some people don't give a fuck. They'll break paintings here and there. I've put too much time and work into this stuff for me to break anything. If I'm going to break something, it don't need to be in my house, period. I'm not kicking walls. I'm not doing that shit. Um, breathing helps. Holding your breath for 10 seconds. Letting it out. Concentrating on that and doing that maybe like 10 times. And just focusing. Now, another thing too is if the person you love or someone you love is pissing you off, you got to say, yo, I have an anger issue and I don't want to fucking, you know, let it out too crazy. So I just need to like walk away and they got to respect that. If they don't, then, you know, obviously problems can occur. And I think most people should be able to just, you know, let you go. And if not, you, you get the fuck out of there. A punching bag helps. But one thing that I heard is help more than anything is meditation and yoga. I haven't done meditation in an extreme way, but yoga is my next step of my anger management. And I just think right then and there, man, you really have to just walk away. If you need to go in your car and scream and let it out and be like, fuck you, stupid bitch, you know, then do what you got to do. Somehow you have to release though. Um, some people go to the gym. That's not really my thing. Golf isn't a way to, to release any anger or nothing like that. I kind of, 
relieve stress in a different way because I think stop thinking about things. But if it's something underlying that you're pissed about, you know, then you know there's deeper things you need to do. If it's people fucking up your food at the restaurant, which I understand that piss you off, especially when you pay certain things, you know, maybe you have a conversation with the manager or the server or something like that. But really, man, I, I think breathing helps a lot. And I also think sometimes it might be related. I don't think I'm as hydrated as I need to be. So if you're not drinking eight to 10 cups of water, man, you know, that might actually create even more irritation in your body and everything else and make you upset. And uh, smoking a lot of weed doesn't help, man. It's, it's kind of crazy, man. I think meditation might help for you, Adam Diamond. Appreciate the question, dog. All right, Gene Echevarria writes, hey, Mr. Baller, big fan here. What's your mindset towards getting what you want in jobs or sports? Also, I want you to imagine that you're 27 and that you want to get to $10,000 months in this day and age. What craft or hustle would you start with knowing what you know now? Mindset and getting what you want in a job or sports, I mean, one, you got to crush the interview. You know, you have to get past that. You have to get to a position to where you are. Uh, in sports, it's gone to the point where if you're talking about collegiate or professional, you're not getting in, especially at 27. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about with sports-wise, but you're not going to get in without actually being skilled because people who are already super skilled and, and are the best athletes in the world still don't make it. Uh, that goes with acting and everything else. You got to prepare you know, depending on whatever the fuck you want to do in your job, especially if you're asking for a job, um, you know, you, you have to really go in there and understand that even if you're like, I'm going to make you my bitch. No, that ain't how it works. You're asking them for a job. You need to let them know why you are valuable to them, why they need to hire you. You have to prepare yourself in every single way and know everything it is about that job and why you're qualified to do it. Now, you're 27, you want to get to $10,000 months, which, you know, would be $120,000 a year in today's day and age. I mean, shit, man, there's so many small little things that you could do, but you have to understand nothing's guaranteed. You know, um, I would suggest doing a lot of small hustles, whether it be flipping, you know, random shit. But then again, there's bots. There's so many little fucking crazy things that you got to think of if you're going to go resell flip sneakers or whatever it is. But I've not necessarily hoarded, but I've bought a lot of things over a very long amount of time. Over 10 years, I've bought art, toys, skateboards, whatever the fuck it may be. Some things are just for fun. I don't give a shit. But a lot of things that I've bought have been cool. Things have been gifted and they've added value. And just that alone has probably brought $10,000 a month in certain things because things go up, inflation, you know, rarity, whatever the fuck it is. But as far as you getting to that $10,000 mark, you'd have to figure out what do you make at your job? Do you make five or six K? All right, cool. And there's another 4,000. What am I gonna do to make extra money? Well, right now stocks are fucked up. Right now crypto's fucked up. So really you got to think about, you know, obviously different angles of, of business. So at that point, you know, you're gonna start flipping things that might be on a smaller level. I don't know what it could be, but I'm just, for instance, asking, saying like, look, buddy of mine, Nima, not the Nima who asked question a second ago, but he finds the distributors to who makes Lululemon, makes aloe, makes all these leggings, and women wear leggings all the time, and he's been crushing it. He found where they make them in Sri Lanka, whatever, 
And he goes and he finds out the actual distributor. He contacts them and he buys like 10,000 pairs. By the way, you have to have a little capital to do this. And what he's doing is he's selling them on different places and he's adding a small little logo on them. And now they're like, you know, I don't know what they're called, Nema Sport, whatever the fuck it is. But he's even using a marketing thing saying this is the actual same quality and the same legging material as Lululemon. And the crazy part is he's making way more than $10,000 a month doing this. And he does this with a ton of shit. He does this with fucking fanny packs and whatever that might be kind of cool. And he does them in short increments. So that for instance, if the legging thing goes on for three or four months or six months or a year, keeps that going. But if at that point, whether it be vape pens or you know pillows or something, I, I'm just thinking of random shit. He goes out there and finds the manufacturers that make some of these really popular brands, contacts them directly and sells them without doing anything much except adding a small little thing and just resells them on Amazon, all kinds of places. And it's crazy, it works. That's, that's the quickest thing that I would do because it makes sense to me. But if you don't have any capital, that ain't gonna be it. Other than that, I mean, unless you have a service where like, you know, if I'm like down on shit, I'm like, oh fuck, I'm gonna make some appearances. You know, I would get 10K to make an appearance somewhere, so it's different. I really can't elaborate too much more on that. Okay, Sue Goat writes, what's happening, Ben? Which movie and which song do you think best defines LA? I know LA means something different to everybody, but I'm curious what you think. Finally, a question about golf clubs. Which wedge lofts are you carrying in your bag? Um, movie that represents LA. Jesus Christ, that's a fucking tough one. I, you know, off the top of my head, I can't really, I don't want to go too deep into this. Um, it's different. You know, there's movies that that really show a capture LA, but like Beverly Hills Cop, it's the first thing I think of. You know, we think of like LA and just trying to get the general sense of LA. Um, you know, uh, Heat captures a lot of LA on the gangster side of it, right? I can't really think of it, but when it comes to a song, there's nothing else than, come on, Randy Newman. I love LA. That just really is just a song that just captures LA. You know, California Love is, is more of like a California song, but definitely I love LA. Finally, golf clubs, which wedge lofts are you carrying in your bag? So I have a P790 approach wedge. I have a P790 um, pitching wedge. I have a, I was gonna say my sand and gap wedge, but same thing. But my 56 degree and my 60 degree wedges are custom TDI milled uh, TD3 Ben Baller edition uh, wedges, my own wet wedges through TaylorMade, everything, obviously everything golf club related is TaylorMade. So those are the wedges I carry in my bag. And yeah, the 56 and 60 will be dropping hopefully around January, February of next year. Justin Abdon writes, hello, Kuya Ben, longtime listener since day one. I've been complacent and content of what I have, but episode 295 just sparks new motivation for me. Thank you for that question. When are you going to interview your sister? I feel like she's got lots of stories and she's a CEO. It's a good fucking thing. You know, I think people have said it, but really the way you just said that now, nah, I think I got to do it. She's down for a little bit. She hurt her ankle and she fractured it actually. So she's in a cast and she's supposed to be in Europe right now. But yeah, definitely consider my sister. Also, I'm curious how Cole Harris's business has been since lockdown, since he's got a lot of businesses in China. Any updates? I don't know. I got to bring Cole in, but Cole owns a, a school lunch program that fucking crushes it you know, for profit. So Cole has a lot of fucking different things. Plus Cole's about to buy a fucking 30, $40 million crib. Like he's all right. I'll ask him when the next time I get it, you know. Eric Jameson writes, Korean Ben Hogan, what's up? Just wanted to pick your brain about some relationship advice. I'm in my 30s. 
Um, and I hustle hard and work for a lot to keep my paper up. And I'm always let down by girls I date because they don't have the same grind as I do. In the beginning, they act like they're all into grinding and bettering themselves. But once we are together, a few months they fall off and just like to live a great lifestyle off me. It's a recurring theme with my last four relationships, including the one I'm in now. Any advice, dump the current girl and be single. Let them mooch off my hard work. Love to hear the feedback, man. EJ, let me tell you something real quick. You're in your late 30s. It's time to think about marriage, bro, if that's what you want, okay? Women want to be looked at as equals. They want to be paid equally, and I think they should be. Some women just, you know, don't want to work and whatever it may be. Um, my wife had a bikini, you know, company. She was modeling. She was doing things. She was making money. She had a fucking Porsche, her own apartment. Um, she was doing okay. We met. When we started getting serious, I wanted to spend more time with her, so I didn't want her to work. So you might not want my opinion. Now, two incomes definitely help a lot. My thing is, the girls might have that image because they might like you and they might have to portray that they want to grind and everything and then they want to chill. I'm a different dude, right? Like, I don't let a woman pay for things. It's hard for my wife to even get me a present. I, you know, she might give me a small little gift card and it's not about the money. I just, there's nothing to really get me and I don't really care about that. I hold down my family and I think if I didn't, it'd been nice if Nicolette wanted to make some money and she was making enough to take care of herself and everything, be fucking great. But that wasn't a deal breaker for me at all whatsoever. So maybe you're not a redirect. Can you carry two people? And if you can, I think companionship is priceless. It's 10 times you know, harder to find a companion than to not. So I think you know if you're looking for a girl who's successful working and everything else, then Keep looking, but I'm not saying settle, but I'm saying you have to maybe redirect your mindset. You know, you, you don't want to be 40 and looking for a wife, it, then it becomes tougher. So I think right now, if you're in a relationship and the girl's a good person and you think she's wife material and you think that she could take care of the kids and hold down the household, you know, and you don't need a nanny, you don't need a, you don't need a housekeeper or certain things. It's not really mooching, you know. She's putting her pay in that and also being, you know, someone who's supportive of you. If she's not supportive, doesn't want to do shit, and she just wants to lay around and not do fucking anything, then yeah, fuck it, bro. You're looking for, the, you know, that's the wrong girl. But I mean, a woman who's supportive of you is, you know, a person who pushes you and is inspirational and doesn't really work other than the fact that she just supports you and just chill and you guys have more time to kick it. That's not a bad thing, bro. It really isn't, man. So, you know, not all the girls work out there, so I'm just letting you know. T.R. Jones writes, hey, Ben, I've been rocking with the podcast for a long time. appreciate all the free game. My question to you is, when do you know or feel comfortable about making big purchases? For example, an exotic car, do you wait till you get a big check or when the market is right? I am 41 years old, no kids, no wife, no real financial obligations besides rent, electric car, etc. I take home about 250K a year. I have about 140K liquid cash and savings and bought cars before in the 150, 200K range, but feel like a huge car payment is a waste. Any advice would be appreciated. Um, yeah, I do feel comfortable making a big purchase when I get a big check. Now, personally, now I kind of look at cars every single day. Even though I sold a few here and there, if I look, at, if I see a good deal, cool. Nine times out of ten, I lease the car because it's a write-off. I don't know what you do for a living, but you can still write your car off no matter what the fuck you do. So just know that if you live in America, you can write your car off. Um, if you have 140k liquid cash and you've bought cars for 150, 250k. I don't know, man. That's, 
that's a tough one. Just because you make 250K a year, you know, I don't know how you're, in, you're set up, you know, financially and corporation wise and everything, but, you know, I would keep it at 150 max if I were you. And I would keep it to like 25K down max. And I know the pain might be higher for you, but like, it's not a huge waste if you're writing it off because my shit's 100% written off depending, you know, how you have your, how your account's set up. So, you know, um, you make a quarter million dollars a year. You have really no overhead. You have 140K liquid cash. If I were you, I wouldn't even touch that liquid cash because right now we're in a fucked up situation. But if you're going to buy something, right, whether it be a watch or something, watches are coming down, cars are finally starting to come down. Really, it's what you feel comfortable with. So if you have a three or $4,000 a month payment on a car, think about it. Is that going to break you? Are you going to get more joy from the car? What are you using it for? Daily driving? Is, is it to flex? What is it for? You got to really assess the whole situation. But me personally, I don't like to spend 20%. I don't like to spend more than 20% of what I've made off something. And if I don't, then I save it for the next, and I save it for the next. So that let's say, for instance, I've gotten four or five big checks. Now I have 20% of four or five big checks, and I can kind of use that. If not, I don't. I just won't, right? So really, at the end of the day, 140K liquid cashing, $250,000 a year is pretty good. You know, I think you should just kind of keep stacking and I think with 250K a year and lower overhead, you should be able to stack fine and still drive a really nice Mercedes Benz or a Tesla Plaid or something like that. I would stay out of that 175 to 200K range. That's a different thing. I think when you're sitting on half a million dollars cash and you're making your 250K, I think you should buy a house. And then, you know, you know, then you could figure out, you know, if you want to go ahead and spurge on the car. Uh, Taro California writes, hey, Ben, Top five favorite dish for sushi. Um, my favorite sushi, period, point blank, is toro. That is hands down my favorite. There's otoro, there's chutoro, but toro in general is my favorite sushi, period. Then it would probably be unagi. Then it would be albacore. And then it would probably be uni. And then after that, it'd probably be yellowtail. But to tell you the truth, I don't really go past those four. I mean, I love a great bluefin tuna if they don't have toro available. So I'd probably go bluefin tuna if they didn't have toro. Even if they did have toro, you know, it just depends. But pretty much those are my go-tos. And by the way, Taro California is a great guy. Check out his clothing brand. It's, it's definitely something dope. This is a great question right here. Tim Tucker writes, hey, Ben, can you take us through a picture-perfect day if you had no work obligations or schedule limitations? What are you doing when you wake up until you're going to sleep? Also, can you make, start making your moniker, AK? fuck you? <laughs> Great question. All right. If I had a perfect day in everything, and I'm just doing this freestyle off the top of my head, at 8 a.m. is when I wake up. I would wake up at 8 a.m. I would not check my fucking phone. And there's no diet, no nothing, no limitations. I would go grab a cold brew coffee with vanilla cream, drink that, watch some fucking uh, um, first take on ESPN. I would hug and kiss my kids. And then right around probably 9 a.m., we'd have a late breakfast somewhere, right? I'd have some garlic rice, spam, a little bit of sriracha, okay? And then at around 10 a.m., I would ask the kids what they wanted to do. And if they wanted to do something special, we would go do that for a little bit. If not, my alternate would be at 10 a.m., I would love to head to the golf course. So basically, I would go to the golf course, get there at 10.15. I would hit some balls for 20 minutes. And then at 10.45, I'd have a tea time. 
I played a great round of golf, my favorite golf course, whatever it was at the time. That would take up about four to five hours. Let's just say five hours. Okay, so we're at 11, 12, 1, 2, 3. So we're at 345 now. I've already had lunch because at the turn, at the ninth hole, you usually have lunch at you know, a country club, whatever it may be. 345, I'd take my kids to a movie for like a 430 movie. We go watch a movie. That's two hours right there. Then at 630. Then at 630, I would either go to the Chateau Marmont or uh, probably maybe La Scala and go get a bowl of spaghetti bolognese and have a great fucking dinner with my kids and everything. We'd just eat there. And then I'd say around eight-ish, we would go get ice cream at McConnell's, even if we had dessert at the restaurant, whatever. And then if there's no limitations again, at around 8, 8.30, I would do a little cruise from Beverly Hills to Malibu and um, cruise down all the way down PCH, go down the coast, and then maybe get a milkshake somewhere in Malibu, somewhere, I don't know. And then from there, I would decide to drive home with the family, we would go home. Uh, I'd get a massage at like 9.30, 10 p.m. Let's say 10.30, I'd get a nice little massage. I would smoke a fat-ass joint. And then at 11.30, me and my wife would watch hopefully a great movie on television, and then I'd pass the fuck out. That would literally be a fucking perfect day, right? And that would be involving family, wife, golf, food, and all that. May sound boring to some other people, but you know, I mean, I could say some other shit too, get my dick sucked, have sex, whatever, boom. That's not even a part of my fucking agenda anymore. When you get to this age, you just don't, you know, it's not that anymore. Great question though, man. Koji Takata writes, hey Ben, I'm listening to the podcast since day one. I never got to ask you a question. My name is Koji, 26 years old. I am listening from the Dominican Republic. I'm half Japanese and half Dominican. That's pretty crazy, right? I never heard that before. Also a big fan since the YouTube show. Question is, I have around $10,000 USD saved up, worked my ass off for four years, and I was wondering if I should buy a car or invest the money. It's really hard to invest here in DR, and $10,000 is a lot of money. Also, my girlfriend from high school wants to get married soon, so I don't know what to do. I really love her. We've been together since 2014. Thanks, Ben, a.k.a. the Korean, a Tencena. Um, $10,000 is a lot of money for you. Maybe it goes pretty far in Dominican Republic. Um, I would hold on for a little bit. There's nothing really to invest right now unless you're going to get real estate. I would definitely not fucking buy a car with that $10,000. That is goddamn for 100% sure. If I were you, I'd buy a fucking Rolex Submariner if you could find one for under retail maybe and just sit on that. But obviously, okay, cool. Uh, your girlfriend wants to get married soon. You don't know what to do. You really do love her. All right, great. You know, you could spend some money on that. But if you don't own a house, it's really tough because you should have renter's insurance to cover that ring. You know, that's a tough one, man. You know, and if your life is okay and you don't have to worry about shit, I would just keep saving that 10000 because 10000 and again, I know 10000 in the bank isn't really anything, but don't think about that. There's purchase power to do other things. You know, baseball card industry is a little off, but you know, things that I've bought kind of got up. You really have to follow certain trends and get in at a right time. And really, consultation and great advice is priceless. I've been smart at seeing trends and seeing certain things, but again, don't buy a car. Invest the money, yeah. If you could buy a house in Dominican Republic for 10000 down, shit, great, do it immediately. And maybe hold off on the wedding because the wedding's gonna cost you way more than $10,000. Even if you fucking have it at someone's house, believe it or not, I don't think people understand how expensive weddings are. That's the best advice I can give you in, in, in the shortest way, but that's 
Really, man, hold on to that 10K for right now. Corey Menard writes, what's up, Ben? Longtime listener from Fresno, California. Crazy to see what this podcast has begun from when it first started. Keep coming with the dope content. Two questions. One, I just started golfing about a year ago when COVID hit average. Um, my average is in the high 80s, low 90s. What is the most important part of the game, in your opinion, when you are playing? The driver, short game, putting. When I'm playing, if my short game is on, I feel like everything else is clicking with putting being the most important, in my opinion. Short game is absolutely the most important part of the game. Um, if your driver's not getting on the fairway, you know, and you got to start using a seven iron, which if you could hit that great and get on the fairway, that's the most, you know, that's obviously crucial. But your 130 yard in is going to be the most important. That includes putting. So your 130 in is going to have to be the absolute essential part of your game, you know, and that gets to where it's the pitching wedge, the approach wedge, you know, um, your sand wedge, your fucking 56, 54, 52, 60, 58, whatever that is. And obviously your putting has to be great. So putting is probably the most important out of all that, but you got to get there, right? Because you might have eight strokes and then now your putting is fucking great, but you know, it took you eight strokes to get there. Focus on your short game, man. Find a nine hole in your area that's like 130 or yards or whatever smaller and focus on that and get that going. Uh, so question number two is, do you have any size large of the gray Shaka BB hoodies? I can cop. Um, I don't, but we are going to release some hoodies again. I don't think we're going to do gray. We're going to do some more earth tone colors. I might do a beige and uh, um, maybe a royal blue and like a purple and a red. And we do some tees, but we definitely have Shaka uh, collab coming again. Juan Del Rio writes, um, this is Juan Del Rio from the Bay Area. Do you like soccer ever get into the Soccer World Cup? It's coming up in November. South Korea is participating. Much luck and best to you and your fam. Juan, real quick, bro. I've never really loved soccer when I was a kid. My dad was a goalie for the North, um, about to say the North Korean team. What the fuck am I talking about? My dad was a goalie for the Korean American. Uh, um, it was like a, it wasn't pro. It was like the second thing below pro. It was like, it's like, you know, single A baseball, still pro baseball, but like really double A and triple A. It was like the lowest form of pro soccer. And he was, did it. He was a goalie. Um, I was a big fan of Pele. I just don't really follow World Cup. I don't really care about it so much. Um, I used to work with fucking Manchester United back when I was working with Nike back in 2002, 2003 and stuff. And uh, I did um, a bunch of stuff with Rio. I'm just not Korea, whatever. I'm just not really a big soccer fan. I, I'm sorry. I wish I had a better answer for you. Alan Evangelista writes, Hey Ben, my name is Alan. I'm wondering what your biggest fear in your 20s was and what was your biggest fear now? How do you overcome fear? My biggest fear in my 20s was not being able to become successful, right? Like not being successful, not having money to floss and do stupid shit and buy clothes and buy Versace and, you know, have a fucking BMW and everything else, whatever. And I, you know, I, I overcame it, but, but I also went broke, you know, buying all that shit. What's my biggest fear now is going broke. It's probably the biggest fear in my life. It's, it, I'm more fearful of going broke than, than dying, right? How do you overcome fear? You work your fucking ass off. You don't let any distractions hit you. You don't focus on that. So that's in the back. Okay, boom. It's like, you know, imagine you're on a ladder and there's a fire underneath you. And you're like, the fire underneath you is broke or any of your fears. You're like, all right, you got to get up there. Oh, I'm so fucking tired. I can't. All right, well, what are we going to do? You're going to die or not? You got to put it at that extreme circumstance and grind. Austin Amos writes, Hey Ben, a uh, big fan of the podcast and free game. When visiting LA a couple years ago, I saw you at the Grove. You were in the middle of a conversation with someone, so I didn't say anything. What are your thoughts on people approaching you out in public? Would you rather be left alone 
or have people say what's up. Um, it's up to you guys. If you really want to say hi, you want to take a pic or anything like that, that's cool. If I'm in the middle of a conversation, that's great that you didn't come up to me. But if you wanted to wait to the side and I, I noticed it, that had been fine too. It's cool. If you're you know polite and, and you ask cool, that's fine. I have no issue with that at all. I just don't like people to talk to me while I'm eating with my family. Eating by myself also kind of weird, but you know, but if I'm not eating, I'm just walking. I have no problem with that. Uh, please, all good. Stephen, um, I always fucking forget how to pronounce NGO. I know it's a Phil, uh, Vietnamese name. Um, Phil, no, I guess I don't know. Stephen, no. Uh, hey Ben, let's say the spot price of twenty-four karat gold is seventeen hundred ounce. What percentage of the spot price is considered good for the seller? Thanks, Steve. Well, what do you mean? I mean, I mean, it's a little confusing question. So you're saying you have an ounce of gold and what's considered good for you selling 1700 Dude, I mean, anything over 1700 is good. But technically, if you have $1,700, you know, if you have a gold bar ounce at 1700 I mean, you should try to get 1900 at least, try to get a couple hundred bucks above. That's just what it is. You know, it's, it's spot price. Now, I don't know what it is. Are you talking about just raw gold? Are you talking about a coin? If you're talking about a bar or a coin, there's going to be a premium markup of at least a couple hundred bucks. So it really depends on what you have. If you have a melted gold down chain that's 24 karat gold, then, you know, spot's fine. Just because you need the money, you want to get 1700 fucking cool. But if you have a bar or a coin, you definitely want to get a couple hundred bucks above. But obviously, you don't ever want to go under 1700 That's just fucking stupid. Sammy DeLeon writes, what's up, Ben? My name is Sammy DeLeon. Um, day one listener, my girlfriend was the one who tweeted you about getting her flowers. Thanks for the shout out. We talked on SF uh, Spaces recently and asked you about the rest stop with the fully dressed burgers, but I forgot to tell you it was me. Anyways, my question to you is, what is your relationship with Pharrell? Any stories? Would you get him on the pod or maybe even Scott Venner? Um, I've known Pharrell since he wasn't famous. And uh, I mean, when I say famous, like, you know, they're just the Neptunes. They were doing beats for the alcoholics. They're doing beats for Noriega. They were starting to become the hot thing and they were just kind of like into DJing and stuff. Um, I was probably a lot closer to Chad. I know Pharrell. We know each other on a first name basis and um, we have, you know, DMs exchange and I have his, I've had a phone number. I don't know if it's new. I don't really use it. But I got a funny story. There was a chick I was dating 20 years ago and um, Pharrell and the Neptunes were producing a, a record for Sugar Ray. This is my boy DJ Homsai, one, one of my super close boys. And a uh, couple things had happened. Diane Martell, who's a famous director, is uh, she directed the Method Man, You're All I Need video with Mary J. Blige. She's directed a bunch of amazing videos. She was trying to help Pharrell get some Stussy Dunks. These are the, the tan ostrich ones. And, you know, these are the times when these guys were cool dudes and they were, she was still really big then. But, you know, these guys are still trying to get rare kicks and stuff. And I had the plug. And I couldn't help him get those. And, and I don't think she told him that. But I was dating this chick, Adriana. She worked at Fred Siegel on Melrose. Beautiful girl. Shit, she's like 5'10", 5'11", half black, half white. Gorgeous body, everything. She's all that. And she didn't tell me she was dating Pharrell too. So I pull up to her. <laughs> I pull up with her to the record plant, famous recording studio in LA, to go visit Homicide with her. And she knows Homicide and everything. And Pharrell was upset. And the thing is, Pharrell was like fucking dating like five different girls. What the fuck's he mad about? And um, she gave Homicide a real big hug and everything else. The rest of the recording session, Homicide told me, was salty. Like he was in a bad mood or whatever because she's with Ben Baller. 
And it was funny. This is fucking 2002. This is 20 fucking years ago. It's funny. Um, Scott Venner, we've been on shows together here and there. I talk to Scott almost every day. Scott is a golf fiend now. Scott has got the bug just as bad as I do. Um, Scott's actually invited me to be on I Am Other podcast with Pharrell. I would get Scott on. I don't know, man. There's, there's, I, he has an interesting job, you know, and his name Broke Mogul is like, you know, he's kind of managed, how, you know, a great way to, you know, from poker and just his podcast to really have a relaxed life. He has no kids, not getting married. And he's older than me, by the way. A lot of people don't know that, that Scott's older than me. Pharrell's a year younger. But like, um, I don't know. I'm not really, Pharrell would be great. But Scott, like, I don't know. I just, that's my boy. But I, I don't know if I'd really want him on the show. Thanks for the question, bro. Kevin Nguyen writes, Hey, Ben, you mentioned in your past pausing I into Picanis and Konasegs. Was it about those brands that make them not appealing to your personality? Is it design, brand history, wide quality, or the certain types of people surrounding that space seeing that throws you off? Thanks for all the episodes. Congrats early on episode 300. I understand that Pagani is, is you know, created by the founder of AMG. For right now, my, my brain is fucking out of it because I have so many things going through my head and Konaseg, whatever. I'm going to be completely honest. Pagani's and Konaseg's are the Richard Mill of the car game. You have a certain amount, 0.0001% of people that respect Konasegs and Pagani's. You have the people who can't afford them. They're so far-fetched. And really, um, if it came down to it, I'd rather have a Bugatti. But if you really, really want to get into it, if you had a, like a Pagani Huara or you had a Konaseg and certain things, I mean, I love the Jumeric. It's a four-seater, but like two million. I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. It's a money grab. It's bullshit. It's, you know, Richard Mill watches could easily be 30, 40 grand. And even then, I think I'm not crazy about it. Now, the movement on the Richard Mill Turbion is a great movement. Turbion movements are great on any watch, any watch that has a Turbion. But I'm going to take, you know, Patek and AP over Richard Mill any day of the week. There is not one single extremely insane, super highly respected watch collector that has a Richard Mill in his collection. John Mayer does not own one single Richard Mill. My boy Alfredo uh, Perico, he's, he's like fucking maybe like, he might have a billion in watches and not one of them is a Richard Mill. Um, Dan M.I., he has the opposite, you know, opinion about Konasegs and Bacanis. He owns part of Konasegs, so he has to have put it that way. It's a weird thing, you know, if you see a Konasegs going for a low price and it's about to be sold, guess what? Someone in that community is going to buy it so they keep the price high. It's all bullshit. They make like four cars and say there's 30, whatever the fuck it may be. They make them low. They try to do the shit. You know, I don't care about the speed records and all that type of shit. I'm going to take a La Ferrari over any one of those cars. A couple of my boys have bought Pagani's and they hated them. Alejandro's been on this show before. You know, um, I'm just not, I don't even like the way they look. The only Konaseg I've ever liked is the Regera looks kind of cool and it's very unique. And yes, it's fucking crazy. But bro, it's just not. If it's going to get rare in that point where I'm paying that kind of money for service, I'm getting a fucking Chiron. You know what I'm saying? But really, I'm getting a LaFerrari for any of those. George, your number one African-American writes, Hey, Mr. Yang, I'm your number one African-American. I have some stuff I've been meaning to ask you. What were the LA riots like for you? Were you forced to pick between black friends and Korean Two, have you ever dated any sisters? What was it like and why did it end? Three, what brand of bedding do you use for pillows, sheets, etc.? Four, best gift you've ever bought your mom? Five, I have a date upcoming. Do you have any advice picking up girls in LA? 
would it be possible to get your sister to style me? Six, DJ Homicide story about Paris passing and him not being able to walk afterwards. Fucking heartbreaking. How is he? How can we support him? Um, George, that's a lot of questions. I'll answer one, two, and four because it's just going to be too fucking much. LA riots are really tough, man. It wasn't so much blacks against Koreans. It was Korean store owners in South Central that were dealing with backlash and shit. Um, I didn't choose a Korean side. You know, obviously my parents and my uncles were on the roof and shit fucking around with all that during LA riots and stuff. But as far as like, you know, I only had black friends, really. You know, I had a couple Korean friends and my, you know, they're my relatives. So, you know, it was a crazy time. But I mean, at the same time, I was out there looting, doing stupid shit. I was in San Francisco and I drove down for the fucking riots. So, you know, that's what it is. Uh, number two, have you ever dated any sisters? I don't know if you don't really pay attention or don't listen to the show too much. But I think if you got a majority of, and not going to get a crazy number out there because it is crazy. If you picked maybe... And there's hundreds of girls I've dated, right? But if you got 100 girls that I dated, 80 of them were black. So um, there wasn't no specific reason why did it end with anything. A majority of the women I've dated in my life were black, right? One of my most serious relationships where I thought I was to get married was a uh, half black, part Jamaican, Haitian girl, and also part very, I mean, because both their parents are mixed, and, um, I mean, it was cool. It was what it was. You know what I'm saying? I think my mom was probably a little shocked. I don't think she knew that I dated a lot of sisters uh, growing up. And I think that when it got serious, I introduced my mom to four women in my entire life. She was one of them. You know, she got to love her and everything else. Uh, best gift that I've ever bought my mom would be... Um, my mom's never needed, needed a car or anything else. Um, she's had a Rolex and all the other stuff and everything like that. And she just wanted an all expense paid trip with me to Vegas. And so, you know, took her to Vegas, took her to Cirque du Soleil, took her to the best restaurants, got her spa day. You know, um, she's used to all that stuff in a Korean way, but she wanted like in a five-star way with that. Other than that, I give my mom cash, you know, every Mother's Day, birthday, Christmas, anytime she needs it. She's pretty much, you know, she's got carte blanche anytime, you know, with me. But uh, it's funny, <laughs> it's crazy. I don't, I really wonder if, I guess people really don't know that, right? That I mostly dated only black girls. It's crazy. Um, Edgar Calderon writes, what's up, Ben? Hope you and your family well. Do you ever plan on hopping on the JDM platform? I know you mentioned R34 GTR in the earlier episode. Would love to see you build some crazy shit. Edgar, do you know who Sung Kang is? So I was Han from Fast and Furious. I thought I've mentioned it, but maybe I haven't. He has been building me a Datsun 510 station wagon for the last four or five months. And, uh, it came from here, went to Europe, went to Japan, and then went to Dubai, and now it's back here. And he's been building it from head to toe with uh, my boy Kenji from Gretty. And uh, yeah, man, so I have a fucking Dotson 510 JDM. And I've been thinking about little things here and there and seeing them, but yeah, I mean, I mean, if I see a Hakusuka again, we'll definitely get into it. Um, I had one before, but uh, you know, the 510 is definitely something that just is nostalgic for me. Ryan McCullum writes, hey, what's up, man? Long listener of the pod. Salute to you from the 209, Stockton, California. Thank you for constantly sharing game and many aspects. Question, I know the Bay is like a second home for you. I've been curious how the video cameo for E40's choices came about. How was the video concept pitched and delivered? As an additional question, what's your overall relationship with the boss tycoon himself? Thank you, Ryan McCullum. I don't know. I've known E40 for a really long time. I met him way back in the day during the hurricane days. He just randomly hit me up one day texted me, he's like, hey, bro, would you like to be in this video? And I need you to do this, this, and this. And JT, the bigger figure, was there. And JT is a very old friend of mine. And, you know, he was an artist under my label, Priority. 
So, you know, we just kind of chilled. He's lives in um in a really nice neighborhood where uh, my wife's cousin lives, and he's come over for Christmas a couple times here and there. It's really strange. I, I'd rather just be honest about this. Ever since he really realized how much I hate the 49ers, it's actually affected our relationship. He's actually like really that deep about it, and I think that really pissed him off. And so it's kind of a weird thing. I mean, if we see each other, it's all love, but it's kind of crazy that that's how, you know, um, you know, it's just fucking weird. <laughs> Funny Niner question. How hilarious is this? Jose Sanchez writes, I got two. I'm a huge Niner fan, even though you always talk shit. How do you think our matchups are going to be this season? Two, do you have any ghost stories besides the one you saw with Q? Uh, 49ers underscore updates. Um, matchups this year, this season, I'm going to be honest with you, bro. Uh, I think they're going to be great. If Trey Lance starts, I, I think that we got you both games there and back. Um, but, you know, I just don't really believe in Trey Lance, man. I'm sorry. Not this season, at least. See, the thing is, some people don't believe in Geno. And I think Geno Smith is going to get it done better than Russell did last season. So, you know, we have nothing to lose. But, yeah, you guys have such a great team. And you guys are ranked in the top 10. But you ain't got a QB who's got anything done yet. So your defense is great. I think on the offensive side, you know, you have fucking uh, Debo and whatever. But I don't know, man. I, honestly, you know, we swept you guys last year. And I think that... It'll happen this year. I don't know if we go further, though. It's, it's a weird, weird thing. We've just had this edge on you guys for a long time. Um, as far as ghost stories about my son seeing Q, I thought I've talked about this before, but my mother-in-law came over and a Filipino guy visited her. I think she's an old good friend of hers. And, and um, he came to the door and the door opened up and Ryder came with my mother-in-law to say hi. And then he walked away. And then he came back like five, 10 minutes later and he asked the man, he goes, oh, where the two little girls go? And he goes, what do you mean two little girls? And um, my mother-in-law is, what are you talking about? There's no little girls here. And he goes, I didn't bring any girls here. And so he's like, oh, okay, whatever. And he didn't really know what to say, but he told my wife. He's like, baby, um, he said, mom, I saw uh, two little girls at the door with him. Crazy ass fucking thing, man. His two granddaughters died. And um, I just that just fucked me up. I just got chills thinking about it. And that's the only other like major story I can talk about that I remember. It's fucking nuts. Uh, C-I-V S-S-I-C kicks. I'm sure you meant classic kicks. What's good, Kuya Ben? If you were a food item, what would it be? Um, the fuck if I was a food item? I'd be a motherfucking Wagyu steak, I guess. I don't know. What would a Ben Baller shoe look like if you would collab any brand, color, model? Um... Fuck, man. I would do an all-patent snakeskin Jordan 4. Jordan 3 or Jordan 1. There'd be black on it. There'd be some extremely bright fluorescent pink or, or fluorescent neon yellow. It'd be the hints of those two somewhere. And, um, you know, I just know there'd be patent black. There'd be different colors of blacks. So there'd be like a matte black, a patent black, you know, Maybe like a Swedish area black. Maybe the suede snakeskin, you know, but very, 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 very faint of it. And then the outer shell will be, you know, patent leather black. And then like little like hinges, maybe the lace hoops and like little small little accents of it would be, you know, lime green. Maybe I do the air bubble in like, you know, um, uh, fluorescent pink or something. That's just the best I could think. All right. Ruben Gonzalez writes, what's up, Ben? I too golf a lot and was curious what kind of golfer are you? Are you a mulligan, mulligans type of player? Or do you count every stroke from the first tee off, which I prefer because you're only cheating yourself 
and you make your lie better by moving your ball, or do I play it as it lies? Sorry for the long email. Big fan of your work. I'm a size 11 just in case you want to get rid of some dunks or two. I know you got stupid heat. Peace, Rube. Um, mulligans don't exist in my life. I don't even, that word is just a weird word. Um, I wouldn't give anybody a free stroke. I've even talked to someone really, really super, super close, you know, homies of mine who are excellent golfers and, and are sponsored and damn near pro. And there are gimmies within like an inch or two that they'll do here and there. I don't even do that. Um, the only thing I might say is if off the first tee, you fuck up on the driver and you barely hit it or whatever and it kind of goes left here and there, there might be one gimme, which would be considered a mulligan, right, to someone here and there. But that's, again, the first tee. On, you know, people do it on, on hole one and hole 10. Uh, I can't do that because my coach would fucking rip me apart. Kicking the ball and doing shit like that. I talked about this in a recent episode. I'm too out there, if that makes any sense, right? Like you get to, you get a reputation of people saying, oh man, he cheats here and there. Like that's the last thing I want. So those don't exist in my life, man. So good question though. Giovanni Bruno writes, what's up, Ben? Thanks for all the free game every week. Coming to you live from the 412, aka the Steel City. If you guys don't know, that's Pittsburgh. Uh, cliche question, but if you could have dinner with anyone alive or dead, who would it be and why? Man, I would definitely have dinner with Bruce Lee. And I would ask him what the craziest fucking stories he's had, what type of racism shit he had they never talked about in movies, um, how much of all the fucking shit in movies is accurate, you know what I mean? How much was it fiction? And I'd talk about his mentality, about, you know, his life, because he had such an amazing fucking aura and just his whole just the way he lived his life, you know, was, was so amazing. And, and, and his philosophy on just, just period. His mentality was so strong and his mental capacity was so strong that it actually increased how strong he was on physically. It was just crazy. I'm just thinking about Bruce Lee is just like, that would just be it, you know? And I'd wonder what, know what the fuck he eats. You know what I mean? Like, do you like a Big Macs, motherfucker? What do you like? It would just be, I don't know, man. That'd be probably the only fucking person I'd want to fucking have dinner with. I, anyone alive I could have dinner with, really, tell you the truth. If I really wanted to, I can get next to him. Good question, though, man. Yo, 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 we're back, man. That was a, a good session of fan questions. Um, if your question didn't make it, it was because I probably answered it or it's just they couldn't get to it. We'll do it again next month. We'll start it fresh. Um, I have a fucking bunch of other emails that are in there. There's fucking people asking me all kinds of shit. There's fucking like two, three hundred people asking for money and business opportunities and collabs and stuff. And that ain't the email to do it at. Anyways, I hear my wife upstairs fucking getting ready to uh, pack free visa. She's so fucking excited. And I hope that again... I can't stress enough. I hope she has the best fucking time out there. Hope she gets shit-faced and she parties and just gets to have a good fucking time and just relax and everything else, whatever. I'm going to do the same thing with San Francisco this week with my boys. I'm just trying to figure out if I'm driving or if I'm flying because I got to bring my fucking golf clubs. I don't know if I can go four fucking days without playing. I would go fucking crazy. But anyways, um, not much on the on the TV front or the movie front, but I've been watching Blackbird again and it's getting fucking crazy. And it just sucks that the grand finale will be this Friday. And it just takes like, but a great fucking show, by the way. Thank you, Miles, again. There is this girl who was the first like real famous blonde in LA or California, whatever, and in the world, if not, 
that was before Kim K and before Paris Hilton and all that for just being famous for being famous. And her name is Angeline. For anybody under the age of 30-something years old, you probably would never know what the fuck I'm talking about. But Angeline was this blonde girl who wore tight pink pants, always wore pink. She had big, gigantic implants. And she was on billboards all over LA. People know what the fuck she did. She would kind of make appearances and she did maybe one or two movies and she, I mean, she had billboards everywhere. At one point, she had like 200 fucking billboards all over California. It was nuts, mostly LA. And she had like 50 or 60 in like the main parts of LA. Like we're talking huge, you know, 30 foot billboards and stuff. And um, the story is actually pretty interesting. The end of it kind of gets a little weird, but it's on Peacock. I think it's a five episode series. I watched the first three and they were good. And the last two just kind of got fucking weird. Uh, Emmy Rosen from um, Shameless, who um, is pretty popular. She plays Angeline. But anyways, it's, it was an interesting thing because I'm from LA and it's just, it was, she was an LA icon. I don't think she was out there trying to hurt anybody or anything. She was just, it was just a crazy thing about how important fame is to certain people and how delusional people can get and how powerful you could be as a woman if you're able to, the word manipulate might be strong, but persuade somebody to sponsor you. It's pretty fucking crazy. Anyways, um, talk about the national. The national this year, I did not walk around the show a lot. I got to talk to some people who did, but you know, it is the biggest sports card convention in the world. And um, shout out to Network, one of the greatest fucking sponsors I've ever had, one of the greatest partners I ever had. And, you know, they're, they're the ones who I dropped the gold money counter, the gold crowbar recently with, and I have a bunch of releases coming. And uh, the whole team from Cody to Gaston to Holland to, my, of course, CEO Aaron Devon, of course, uh, Jimmy and Jamie Iveen. Um, But, you know, this is the first time Network, they started Network Trading Cards. I follow them on Instagram if you haven't. And we gave away a $15,000 box of Flawless. You know, we gave away National Treasures. These are like five, 6000 a box as well. And we just do great shit. Baller Breaks is such a fucking amazing show. I'm not saying because I'm on it, but it's a really, really good show. By the way, guys, my Topps Chrome 2022 edition, it's my third year doing this, drops October. It's going to probably be early October, but at the latest, mid-October. I'm fucking super geek for you guys to see it best set yet not just because the best design set but because we have the best rookie class and there's fucking heat in there and of course one of the rookies in that would be yours truly the wash lord my ben baller official tops rookie card will be dropping um in this set but now back to the national it was crowded it was crazy it was atlantic city this year because chicago had some sort of scheduling issue but it was packed it was at the atlantic city convention center um there was Billions of dollars of cards in there. Uh, no fucking Wi-Fi or cell service in there, really. I heard after I left that there was Wi-Fi for $80, which I would have paid gladly. They're saying 80 bucks a day. I still would have paid it because there was so much business to do in there. But I got to see Ken Golden, who owns Golden Auctions, pretty much the biggest auction house when it comes to sports, memorabilia and sports cards. Uh, we got to chop it up. He wanted me to break a box of Ben Baller. I didn't have time. Um, but I got to chill with PSA. They gave me a really dope swag bag with all this cool shit in there. And the coolest thing about PSA is they hosted my break and did expediting grading for the big hits that we had pulled. And um, they were there really supportive. Um, I used to be with Beckett and there's no love loss with Beckett. You know what I mean? It, just, it was just a business thing. And they, um, you know, they still obviously grade my cards and everything. 
But uh, I stopped by the Tops booth. That was really cool. Whole new staff there, so that was kind of tough. Um, I didn't really recognize everybody there. But uh, my man DJ Ski was doing this thing with eBay. So funny, DJ Ski has always figured out a way to to get a check in anything he does. And he actually has a lot of knowledge in sports, which is great too. But I got to give a shout out to Excel Sports Management. Of course, a network is the biggest shout out I got to give to network. And I've already given a shout out to Tops and PSA. But I did a break for Baller Breaks with Joe Montana. Now, if Tom Brady didn't exist, then Joe Montana would be arguably the greatest quarterback that ever lived. You know, now the crazy thing is he's listed as 6'2", and he's always been listed as 6'2", and there's no way he's even an inch taller than me. Maybe barely an inch. It was just crazy. That's the first thing I thought. Great dude. I didn't know he was 66. Very funny, very personable. He was cool. He had his little security guard, and uh, just great. We got to break, you know, a box flawless. And the crazy thing is we broke flawless, and then we opened other shit. Or did we open the flawless with fucking... Am I crazy? I'm bugging right now. I'm tripping. I'm trying to think if I fucking broke flawless with fucking Joe. Or if we, no, I'm sorry. I broke flawless with Paul Pierce. We'll get into that in a second. With Joe Montana, we broke National Treasures. We broke two boxes. And we pulled a Jamar Chase uh, 1 of 10 rookie fucking amazing card. Don't know what it graded. And we got to talk about a bunch of shit. And I found out that... Joe Montana's place is four blocks away from my old crib in San Francisco. I'm not going to tell you what area it is because it's fucking obviously a personal thing. But it's someone to Oz Christian. And uh, we talked about his kids a little bit here and there. And he was just really cool and chill. And the dopest part about it was he signed to XL Sports Management as well. And so was Paul Pierce. By random chance, all three of us are with sport, XL Sports. And um, shout out again to him, you know, my marketing girl and uh, liaison, Alina Kim. She actually rode all the way back from fucking Atlantic City to Philly, drove with me, and then from there went to New York. So she's just fucking amazing. Alina, if you're listening to this, I love you to death. Um, but it was an amazing break with Joe. It was so cool. It was more chill. I don't want to like offend him with nothing. But, you know, I let him know that I didn't like the Niners. I didn't tell him to what extent, but I told him the story about how I lost the bet, Super Bowl 24, 500 bucks. A lot of money for me back in fucking 1991. Um, but, uh, in general, there was, you know, it was still very busy. You know, there's definitely a, a great market. And uh, with Paul Pierce, we broke the flawless. Shout out to Rambo Cambo who won. I fucking forgot what the best car we pulled out of there was. But it was it was a nice, you know, um, box of a, a flawless. There was a dope Magic Johnson card in there that I would love to fucking have, but I don't fucking want Rambo Cambo to give me anything. It was dope. He won it for a dollar. It was cool. Me and Paul Pierce talked about Inglewood, talked about the old school shit, talked about the Celtics rivalry and everything. Crazy part of the whole break with Joe Montana and Paul Pierce was towards the end of the break with Joe Montana, Kid Cudi FaceTimed me during the break. And so I was like, bro, I had to pick up. Even Joe was like, pick it up. Who was that? And he didn't know who it was, but you know, obviously everyone else did. And uh, yeah, Cudi picked up the fucking phone. And uh, he was on FaceTime with me for like 30 seconds or so because I was like, oh, I'm fucking busy in the middle of something. But the craziest part about the National that definitely had to be one of the biggest scandals was Network was doing a live break with, I forgot what the breaker's name was, but they're doing a live break for uh, prison basketball. And I forget what year it was, but it was a $15,000 box of Panini Prism. And on air live, they opened the cellophane. Shit looked legit as fuck. The plastic covering looked legit they opened it up and it was fucking austin powers 
cards, bro. It was crazier than the fucking um the Logan Paul. Well, not crazier because that was millions, but it was it was just crazy as shit. It was such a weird fucking thing because like, who the fuck? It just the fakes is are so good now. They bought it at the national, which is wild. So I'm pretty sure we got our money back from that. But it wasn't even like the Elizabeth Hurley or the Beyonce fucking. It, it was the Heather Graham fucking uh the spy who shagged me austin powers set of cards in there i was like we should have fucking just opened them up but it was just crazy got duped it was probably one of the biggest scandals that happened at the national and it was live and it was crazy but i had a great time by the way and it was just fucking amazing yo what a great fucking episode i gotta get ready to go see my man ron and get my practice in but yeah man it's fucking insane oh by the way the fucking nfl kicks off in just about five weeks i ain't talking about preseason i'm talking about the real shit we are literally about, you know, just less than six weeks away. And I cannot wait for that first game. Russell Wilson back at Lumen Field against my Seahawks. Shit's getting real, guys. Shit is getting very, very real. All right, guys, remember to live in the moment. And also remember, living well is the best revenge. I love you guys. Please subscribe to the show. Hit subscribe button if you're on Spotify, Amazon, whatever the fuck, Stitcher, Apple, Please hit the subscribe button. Please tell a friend to tell a friend. And guys, that is it for this episode. I will see you guys back on Thursday, live from San Francisco. All right, peace.